Welcome back to the Girls Talk Ag podcast, plowing through the manure online and a super awesome part of a super awesome network with the Global Ag Network. Cool people, great people. Listen to all of their podcasts. Ours first, then everyone else's. Uh, Karen and Jen are with me today. Morning. Barely, but yeah. <laughs> Barely. Jen is driving grain cart right now, so go ahead and curse at her. Oh, She's used to yeah, it. Yeah, you're going to have to ignore the cursing if it doesn't get uh, edited out and also the two-way radio talk. I was going to yeah. say, I'm waiting for Chris to come over the radio and yell. Right. Well, Chris doesn't yell. No, Chris doesn't yell, and, and I'm catching for my father-in-law, so, you know. Oh, that'll be even more fun. So you'll be the one yelling. Okay, got it. <laughs> I didn't know women were allowed in grain carts. Well, they're not allowed in combines around here, just FYI. <laughs> well, thank you for being a great farmer, Jen. Oh, no problem. Yeah, thank you for oh, feeding no the world. You know, it's hard work, but, you know, I do it for you guys. You know, we appreciate it. So, so today is a special episode to me. Um, I'm a little, it's like, special I to feel- all of us. I just want you right? to know that. I really do. And that's, <laughs> well, and I feel kind of nervous just because, I mean, I've shared all of my secrets, right? Right. Pretty much on this show <laughs> um, for the most part. And uh, Carl's as well. And this isn't a secret. It's not something that's a secret by any means, but um, October is Down Syndrome Awareness Month. And uh, a friend of mine made a joke the other day that you have to be aware because they're shifty little creatures and they may sneak up on you. And so awareness is key. But the reality is, I think um, there's a lot of misconceptions about what Down syndrome may mean, a lot of misconceptions about what life is like um, with someone that has Down syndrome. And um, I say all of this stuff because Colton has Down syndrome. So it's never really been something that we've publicized because, you know, we talked about it prior with Jen and her story about cancer where it's your story, right? You own your story. And uh, so for me, there's a lot of strangers on the internet, right? I mean, I treat Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that, like they're social media platforms and they're super fun and all of that. But there are a lot of assholes too. And I really wasn't prepared for quite some time to kind of open my child up um, to the assholes, Right. So, and I'll be honest, it was like talking about cancer. We own our stories, but sometimes you have to adjust and and, and accept your story before you're willing to, to, to share it with the world. Yeah. Well, and I think you put your priorities, your priority, priority was Colton. It wasn't the other people on the internet. Yeah. And it wasn't becoming the the biggest thing for me early on and we'll talk about diagnosis and experiences and all of that but the biggest thing for me early on was i didn't want to be viewed as anything different because i'm not you know what i mean i you know like i you don't want to hear oh i'm sorry ever you know especially because we had left a nicu where parents were leaving without children yes i was leaving with mine and he was healthy Um, you know, and so the one thing I did not want to hear or experience at the point in time was a boatload of sympathy because I didn't feel as though I needed sympathy for one. Um, for two, I figured it would be noticeable 
to people, which on Twitter, there's a great group of parents of children who also have Down syndrome. And if anytime I've said, hey, Colton's rocking it too, you know, they say, well, I figured, I thought so. And so it's, it is something that tends to have visible characteristics depending on your exposure to those characteristics for one. Um, they are, they do range from mild to very obvious amongst children with Down syndrome. Um, and, and so Colton's tend to be a little bit more mild depending on, you know, the time of which you capture him, I guess you could say. Um, and there's been a lot of people, well, Karen, you were like, what? No, what? I didn't see it. I, I don't see it in his face, but I know there's like several different factors and depending on how mild or severe the case is, they may show different factors, but I honestly didn't see it. I mean, and I, until you said it, I, it had never occurred to me. Yeah. He was just Fred. Which is the same. He is still, you know, obviously, um, just Fred. And so that was really my approach to everything is I wanted, I had always intended on having it be some sort of announcement, not it, but not that sounds stupid. Like that, when I say that, like an announcement, like, Ooh, look at me, I'm going to announce something major, but. Well, it, it was just like I said, hi, my name's Jennifer. I have yeah. I mean, and that's, it's that way with things you don't, you're, it, that aren't everyday things. Yeah. That are different experiences perhaps than what the rest of the world yeah. is experiencing maybe at that point in time. And so I knew eventually I would come out, but it was really one of those, I would come out. That makes it sound like I've been, hi I haven't been hiding I it. I was, oh, I'm so I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to yes. be politically correct this whole time. But so I was trying not to say anything. Right. That's right. But yes, that I would tell his story that it would make his story a little bit more public than what it's been. And it's, it is kind of a, a fine line because I do have 17,000 people following me on Twitter, not all of which feel the same way about certain medical or, you know, different types of, of issues that well, people that may have. will tell you that the sky's not blue or that hot dog, a hot dog is a sandwich too. So, right. Exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, for me, I always knew it would be like, okay, we'll discuss it. But I really wanted the world to get to know him as just Fred first. Um, simply because I did not want anyone to treat him differently because of the diagnosis. I didn't want anyone to treat me differently because of his diagnosis. Like, I didn't even tell my boss. Because the one thing that I was afraid about is that I would say, okay, Colton has Down syndrome. And he would say, well, obviously you can't handle this stress level in this job because you have all of these other things to deal with. And that's not the case. You know what I mean? Our life is honestly not much different than what it would be if there wasn't a diagnosis of some kind. You know, in fact, I actually welcome the fact that we haven't had to try to search for, you know, what what's wrong. You know what I mean? Like I have friends in the Down syndrome community that have two or three-year-old children that it's taken them two or three years to be able to figure out why their child has been struggling with developmental milestones or something like that. We, we knew going into it that we, you know, in, in the community, we call them inch stones instead of milestones. So like Aww. it's, and it's, it's I, need, I need inch stones. Right. And it's, it's really something that is amazing in that respect is that um, you get to celebrate all of the little things 
You know what I mean? Like, and when they happen so fast with what, you know, what we would refer to as a neurotypical child, you may not get it. You know, there's a lot of friends I have, their kids are, are practically walking at nine months. Like you don't get that fun little time before they turn into jerk faces and are crawling into everything and, you know, lighting stuff on fire. Can we go back here, man? We don't have an outline. So I'm, can we talk about diagnosis first? Yeah. 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 Um, so I never did any of the testing um, going into with my pregnancy. I wasn't in advanced maternal age yet, <laughs> so yes. I didn't have to. Nope. Um, no one said anything about it. They said, do you want the testing? And I said, and this was when I, you know, my first appointment. And I said, no, because it won't matter. It's a bit of a roller coaster. I had the testing done, but so on the first one, I was at, a, at an advanced age, as you just said. And on the first one, like, the blood right. test only means so much, but your age factors in, like, 50%. And so I had to do all this extra stuff. I had to, you know, have all this stress about what was going on. And um, I had to go get, like, all these ultrasounds. I mean, it was just crazy, and I think it made it so much worse. That's what I was wondering, if it made it worse. I mean, like you said, if, you, if you're not changing your mind, why make this worse? The stress worse. Yeah. And a lot of the moms that had, exactly. And a lot of the moms that had a prenatal diagnosis that, you know, are friends of mine now say that they spent most of the rest of the nine months stressing out about everything. Um, Now, in some respects, it's good because there are a lot of health issues that can arise, major heart conditions and things of that nature that could be um, yeah, that need to be resolved right. early, and I early think that's on. Why they had, they and had so, me do the test since I was older. Um, yeah. But then between the two yep. kids, there was a sec- a different test by the time my second one came around. And that one I passed with flying colors. Yep. And that one I was, you know, two years older. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. And that was like the ma- probably the, the maternity or whatever, the maternity. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then the fun part about that is you get to know what you're having gender wise right. right. early on. Right. But um, so they asked me and I was like, no, it's not going to change anything. So in those words, you know, now look, they were one of the words that or one of the sentences that like crossed my mind when we were discussing the diagnosis in the NICU is, you know, I, I literally had said it doesn't matter, you know, um, and, and that was nine months earlier. So he did the labor early, right? He was born early? No. Oh. He was a day early. Oh. He had complications. Yeah. So- Yes, meconium aspiration. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. that's right. Okay. So so I'll kind of, you know, I, I went through um, my pregnancy fine. Uh, it was weird. He was never one to kick. So, like, a lot of people would be like, oh, my God, this kid's killing me with how he kicks. It's so hard. It hurts. It's this. It's that. He, like, moved, but it was more like rolling movements and things like that. Like, he was always there. I could always tell he was. But he never really kicked hard enough to where on the outside you could feel it. It was never like alien baby. I always thought it was just because I was fat. Uh, turns out it's pretty common because one of the things with that children have um, with Down syndrome is, uh, I'm going to say it wrong, but it's hypnotonia. It's basically low tone. Um, like, and oh, so low tone, low oh, muscle okay. tone. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Yep. So no, you're fine. It, you know, like when I say things, just be like, what? But so a lot of the moms who have children with Down syndrome that I talk to now will say that that was one of the things that they noticed the most compared to maybe their other children, if they had had children prior or something of that nature, was that they didn't feel them really just aggressively kick. 
or punch or any of that stuff. Now he moved all the time. It was a constant thing. Like the ultrasound tech was like, Oh my God, this kid will never stay still, blah, blah, blah. And so I went through pregnancy though, blissfully unaware. Like we had our first ultrasound and that there was nothing of any concern. Then Um, we had our 20 week, the anatomy, nothing of any concern. Then he just kept wanting to show his wiener. Um, It was just constant. She's like, yes, exactly. And nothing out of the not out of the question. Heart looked good. Um, everything looked great. I did have a couple more. We had a 3D ultrasound. They offered a, a 3D ultrasound um, to see, you know, f- pictures and the face and everything that everyone does. So we did that. And then I needed like one more later on because I was measuring big. And so they were worried that something was off. No, just fat. Um, just just gained 75 pounds. No big deal. Um, and so even then they were like, well, his legs look a little short, but look at mom, you know, so there was no concern whatsoever. And, uh, I went into labor with him naturally, but, um, as we labor kind of, it never progressed because he never dropped, but he did, he couldn't handle it. There was a lot of stress associated with every contraction and his heart rate would drop and it wouldn't come back. So we ended up doing, you know, basically what would be the equivalent of an emergency C-section, but we didn't wait for it to turn into an emergency. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, we could do it now at, or we could wait and see, but every time you have a contraction and I could hear his heartbeat on the, the thing, you know what I mean? On the, monitor. the uh, monitor. And so, like I said, it was just kind of one of those things where I could hear it and they're like, it's up to you. And I'm like, well, I, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to wait until you have to rush me into surgery. Like, let's just go ahead and do it. So, um, so we did that. And, and, uh, I remember after he was born, like being in the room and looking at him and looking down at him and being like, he kind of looks like he has down syndrome. You know what I mean? Like just kind of wondering, but well, let's be honest. It's a roller coaster anyway, yeah. giving birth. Oh my and God. You've got hormones everywhere and, and you just want to kick people that are between your legs. And- it, well, for me, it was totally different because there was never really, I never really, I went into the hospital at 5 a.m. and had my C section at uh, night. Yeah. So, like, I hate you. it was really, I, I know, I. That's stress was, in and of its own when things move. Yeah. Not it, well, and it was totally opposite of what I figured. Like for me, I had always pictured childbirth as birth as like kumbaya, like oh, I'm sitting on my birth ball. Not I'm me. My first one, I was drugs. begging for an epidural when they told me I was right. Pregnant. I was like reading, you know, like natural childbirth, hypnobirth oh, books prior to going in for this, and uh, I remember they're like, "Do you want drugs?" When I went in right away, and I'm like, "If you check me and tell me I am less than f- a, an eight. Cause I had labored all night and it sucked. I'm like, yes, I will want drugs. And she's like, Oh honey, you're not even a one. I'm like, fuck. Oh my this. God. Um, but he had never dropped. So he'd never put pressure on the cervix to open it, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so, yeah, so that in and of itself was like a whirlwind. I hadn't slept at all the night before. And I remember like I said, looking down at him and being like, he kind of looks like, you know, but Part of the thing that you see, so part of the characteristics are um, like an almond shape, almond shape eyes, like a flat nose, um, kind of at the top, like the bridge of the nose can be kind of flat, a downturned mouth, um, like a bent in type pinky and like ears kind of down. And so Carl has three out of the four things that would be considered 
um, signs of, of Down syndrome. He has a downturned mouth. Um, his ears are kind of different shape. Carl's are. Uh, he has a the palmer crease, so a single crease across his palm. Carl does, and his pinkies are bent in. So we joke that he's he's actually living with Down syndrome, and we can do that because we have a child that has Down syndrome apparently. But so part of the the idea was like, oh no, it's it's all father characteristics. But anyway, fast forward to the end of the day, he really was struggling with managing temperature and didn't really want to eat too much, so his sugar was kind of bottoming out. And then towards the tail end of the night he had um, developed a, a fever and his oxygen dropped. And so they at the hospital that we were at in Algona just said it has to be the meconium aspiration, you know, complications from that. We'll call in the Aeromed, blah, blah, blah. And so they called in Aeromed and uh, obviously he went down there. That night, the gal that was in charge of the, the Aeromed at the NICU called me and said, I noticed that you had a lot of ultrasounds, which was weird because I didn't think I, I did. But she said, was there a reason for that? And I explained each one. And she's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, okay. And so the next morning, Carl calls me and he's, he's giving me the rundown. And he's like, this is what they think. This is where they're at. This is what they're doing. They're giving him drugs. And they think he has Down syndrome. And so like you, you listed those when you looked down at him. Did it occur to you that I know I'm not politically correct? No, you're fine. Does. No, so well, you, yeah, it did. Or like, they handed him to you. Had you researched those, or how did you know no, those? No, I know those now. So that's back. Okay. Like, okay. so that's just backwards, sort of. You know, like uh, hindsight okay, so they thinking told now. Carl, you know, so Carl was with Colton in Des Moines while you were still in Algona recovering. Okay. In Algona, yes. Yeah, so Carl, Carl had to I, tell you over the phone. He told me over the phone. Um, he was totally cool about it. Um, and so was I. You know what I mean? Like at first, I was like, "Oh no," you know. But I remember thinking, looking down at him, and thinking, "Hmm." But I said, "No one said anything to me here, so obviously that's not the case." Like I'm just crazy, you know. Like I'm losing my mind. I'm hallucinating because I'm on whatever Percocet was what they had given me. You know, and prior to that, the strongest drug I'd ever had was like marijuana. But anyway, but that's um, beside the point. And I'm gonna call right. you a liar. I had nothing to do with anything. It wasn't liar, when I was liar. pregnant. Okay. You know, like right. But uh, but no. So he that's what he said. So they think he might have Down syndrome. And I'm like, okay. And I remember, like, I was all I was worried about was getting down there. I'm like, that's fine. How is he doing? And they're like, he's. You know, he said he's good. You know, he's he's sick. He's a, a very sick baby right now. Um, they're giving him some very heavy uh, antibiotics. They wanted to know which genetic testing we wanted to do. So you know, was and... anybody with you? No, I was by myself. And sometimes you're like, okay, I'd rather handle this by myself. And sometimes you're like, like if somebody's there, you're yeah. kind of like, I wish no one was here. But then sometimes you're like, I wish I had people here. Yeah, like my mom and I have talked about it afterwards, and she's like, to be completely honest, we probably should have flown out there right away. But it's not like we were somewhere where you could get to quickly. Like, it's either a 10-hour drive or a 10-hour right. flight. You right. know what I mean? Like, it was three hours to the airport. They live three hours from an airport, too. So it would have been, you know, an all-day thing for them to get there. And honestly, I was, I'm always one of those people, I'm like, it's cool, no worries, right. you know. Um, and so I was by myself. Um I just kind of, I got in the shower and I just wanted to get out. So like I had my C-section at like nine o'clock on May 30th and by seven o'clock on May 31st, I had been discharged Dang. so I could leave. And I had to wait for the girls 
uh, Carl's daughters, Becca and Taylor, were going to drive me halfway. So they were going to drive me um, to Webster City and Carl picked me up. So they drove me um, to Webster City and then Carl picked me up and we didn't really talk the drive down. Like it was just kind of I'm not good at, at talking anyway, and I'm not an overly emotional, like, I'm not going to be like, oh my God, this is so terrible. I remember it kind of nagging at me, like, what would I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I got down to Des Moines and looked at him and didn't give a shit about the you diagnosis. Know, I had you know what I mean? Me, um, I couldn't figure out why I didn't panic when they said I had cancer. And, and I think this is the same for you. Your fight or flight kicks in and and, and you're, yes, and, and I was it's fighting. amazing. You don't see that till later, but your fight kicked in and it wasn't that you needed to fight for anything. It was just, this is what needs to be done. And this is what is important. Not this. Yes. Yeah. The main thing to me at that point in time was just making sure that he got back on right. the path to healthiness right. and we were able to go home. Well, and so in the meantime, between the time that that Carl had told me in the time that I got down there, they had done a bunch of tests on his heart just to make sure everything was good. He had two slight holes, which were totally normal. One happens with every baby and it tends to close out, you know, within 48 hours to, to 70, 72 hours or whatever after birth, once they start um, huh. inhaling oxygen. So there was that one. Either. Yeah. I never knew that before. And then he had a small, um, I believe it was a small ASD is what they call it, which was it, when we went back in for a six month checkup, it was um, closed. So we got very lucky because most a lot of I don't want to say most, but I think over half of children with Down syndrome have to have open heart surgery in their first year of life. And a lot of them have to have subsequent open heart surgeries after that because the chambers of their heart tend to not close. So they go back and forth. Um so we got, so I got there, got that news that everything was okay on that side. Um, and that was a relief, but I couldn't touch him for the first day because the pressures in his heart were too high because of the infection that he was fighting, um, which was from the meconium aspiration more than anything. Um, and so we had a really kind of an asshole doctor. I would say the neonatologist was a prick. Like. He just wasn't, he wasn't, he had shitty bedside manner. Oh my God. Um, he just kind of came in and was like, this is what we're thinking. This is what we're leaning towards. This is why we're thinking it, blah, blah, blah. What testing do you want? And I said, well, I want the rapid, the fish test, which takes 72 hours. I said, because I was afraid that if we didn't get out, of, like if we didn't have the diagnosis and get stuff fixed, that they would try to keep us for a long time. And he was telling us, because a lot of children with Down syndrome have issues with feeding, um, you know, latching. They get really tired because of their heart issues most of the time. But, you know, sometimes they just aren't good at eating. And so they'll end up with like a G-tube, which is the feeding tube that goes right into the stomach, or at the very least an NG tube, which goes through the nose and down. And so they were telling us, you know, because he had the NG tube because he was sick, so he couldn't take anything orally for the first couple of days we were there anyway. But he's like, he probably won't be able to eat. He probably won't be able to do this. He probably won't be able to do that. And I'm just like, whatever, that's fine. We'll deal with that later. Like, let's get him healthy. We'll figure out what the diagnosis is and we'll go from there. So just get the testing done and shut the up about it was basically my 
opinion on it at the time. And so I had all these nurses come in and every time they'd walk in, they'd be like, you could see it on their face. Like, oh, I'm, I'm handling broken glass here. She's obviously going to be distraught. And a lot of them were like, you're handling this very well. And I'm like, he's alive. He's regaining health because he turned around in like 24 hours, like was so much better by the following day with antibiotics than anything, you know? And I'm like, guess what? Everyone's kid has hurdles. Every single person in the world has hurdles. We now know what his hurdles are going to be. But out of for the everything that was happening to that poor kid, it seems like that would have been the least of your worries. And that doesn't seem exactly. like that's how they were treating it. I mean, obviously, the no, they were treating like, it. I mean, that infection was, you know, the most important priority. To me, that was the biggest thing. Now, maybe they had seen several of those infections and and didn't have long-term concerns about that. So they were more worried about the other long-term concerns. And I guess six months prior, they had had a mother who had had a birth diagnosis, came into the NICU, discovered that her child had Down syndrome and left and put him up for adoption. Mm plain and simple, which happens all the time. By the way, there are waiting lists for children with Down syndrome. So if you were to find out that you were pregnant with a kid with Down syndrome and didn't want them, there are tons of people who would line up um, to take your child. Well, and maybe she just didn't have the capacity. Yeah. And, and I will never, ever, ever judge anyone when I'm not walking in their shoes. But so I'm thinking that that may have had a role in how they acted towards me is... It's a shock, which it was. It was a huge shock. I mean, like, you know, you you go into birth thinking that your kid's going to be the president, right? And you get a diagnosis and people act like, you know, well, you know, then you wonder, okay, am I going to have him? Is he, is he going to live at home? Is he going to be this? Can he talk? Can he eat? Can he, you know, like all of these concerns. But to me, it's just like anything else in my life. It's how you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. So I wasn't going to allow myself, and I still don't to a certain extent, I wasn't going to allow myself, A, a pity party, because as I said, I was going home with a healthy child, and B... Well, it doesn't occur to you at the time that you need one. No, like you, I didn't need one. I was getting sick of it, which is part of the reason I never was like, so we're in the NICU. I didn't tell anyone we were in the NICU, really, other than close friends and family, on social media until we were ready to leave um, for one. Cause I didn't need a pity party about being in the NICU cause we were yeah, receiving great hospital care and all of that good stuff. Um, and I didn't need to be like, and he has down syndrome because, you know, because like I said before, I didn't want the I'm sorry. You don't tell a, a person you're sorry for a birth of their child. You it, tell them congratulations. It's, like when I you guys, it's the look on people's faces. And yes. you're like, right now, that's not what I need. I don't. Yes, I don't need that. I need someone who's willing to, you know, kind of fight with me yeah. and just let me chew through all of the things that are going to come, you know, from this. And so uh, the Friday after we got there, so I had him on Monday. We ended up in the NICU on Tuesday, between Monday night and Tuesday. And the Friday after we got there, he was healthy enough. That was how quick he turned around with the the infection and everything. Um, to do the circumcision and all of that. And uh, so he got in, was doing the circumcision, shit all over the doctor, which is hilarious because the guy was a prick. And it was a relief. Yeah, it was a relief too because uh, Hirschsprungs is a an issue 
Um, children with Down syndrome, can they tend to suffer from some bowel conditions, which could result in colostomy bags or other surgeries and stuff like that. So, you know, the fact that he was pooping the normal poops and shit all over the doctor was a good sign that that wasn't a health concern. Um, and the doctor's like, yep, this is how he confirmed. Well, we were right. I said, you were right. He said, yeah, what we suspected is right. I said, so he has Down syndrome. Yep. Okay, cool. Thanks. You know, like, so they peace out, dick face. Right. Well, congratulations. Right? Like, do you want a medal? Should I go get you right. a cookie? We can't eat in the NICU. So how about you just, you yeah, go get you a heaping dose of fuck off, you know, like, but, um, so that was how he said it. And so, you know, I had called my mom and was like, so I don't want you to freak out. You know, I was like, but they think he has Down syndrome. And this was like three days prior to the confirmation or whatever. And she's like, why would we freak out? And so that's kind of where I get it in my family is it's like, what is there to freak out about? Like there's, you can't, you can't change it. Well, I mean, if his heart one. was fine and his bowels were fine, I mean, there's good pluses yes. right there. So. Yeah. So it wasn't, and then he started to eat fine. Um, He started to eat. He was a little slow. He wasn't in a big hurry. He's, he was really one of those infants that would rather have had two ounces an hour versus sitting down and having four. I mean, up until recently, and now he's a pig. Like, now there's times where, like, he eats adult servings of tacos without ketchup. Yeah. Good for Fred. So he's but normal. I'm heavy on the so sour cream. Normal. Totally right. normal. Yeah, his mom's the weird one. sympathy party if he had to eat tacos with ketchup. Right, with ketchup. But, um, you know, for me, one of the things that I thought about at the time was um, it could be much worse. Like for me, the idea of having a child and raising them and and I feel bad if I hope I don't offend anyone by using this comparison because it's not I'm not trying to do that. But um, the idea of like becoming an addict or a heroin overdose or something of that. You know what I mean? Like you just never know what having a child's going to bring when it, when it comes down to it. Um, and so there was a lot of, like I, I've said prior, you know, you know that there'll be challenges with 99.9% .9 of kids for us. We just kind of left the NICU knowing what our set of challenges would be. So, uh, we got home and my anxiety was through the roof because one of the other things that children with Down syndrome uh, tend to experience or are more prone to experiencing anyway are called inf uh, infantile spasms. Um, and so it's basically a form of epilepsy that can neuro like take you backwards in a hurry um from a, a neural standpoint it just damages every time you have one it damages so the brain so i spent oh, no he did not but i spent much of okay. yes oh my god like there so like you bypass the the is infantile spasms you lose much of that risk goes down once they're about 18 months so I felt like I spent 18 months staring at his every move. You know what I mean? Like the first few months, like even the normal newborn jerky movements, I'm like, oh my God, is that, you know? And so my anxiety did not handle it well, just the concern of extra health things. And it's still, um, there's a, a, an increased risk of leukemia until he's about five. 
And so you just spend more time making sure that no random bruises show up, no unexplained fevers, no, you know. So there are certain things that I spend more time maybe focusing on. And it's part of the reason that I refuse. I just can't leave him overnight um, yet just simply because my biggest fear is I'm gone. I can't get back to him and I get a phone call that something is wrong, which is a normal parent concern, I think. But mine's a little bit maybe more heightened because of it. But you know, really, aside from that, he's totally normal. He's freaking hilarious. Um, probably one of the funniest people I've ever met. Um, one of the coolest people I've ever been around. Um, it does teach you to slow down and, you know, like, because he's not walking yet, but we're getting braces for his feet uh, next week sometime. Because, tell me why. Tell me why he needs braces. Um, because of the low tone that children with Down syndrome tend to deal with, there's times when their feet will tend to pronate in, so their ankles kind of bend in. And um, so for him, and I'm kind of frustrated, I mean, I, I will, I'll never hold it against his physical therapist, because we've been doing physical therapy since the time he was about five months, and he was pretty on track from a milestone standpoint until it came time to, like, sit up. And then he didn't give a shit. He was army crawling. He was rolling. He didn't need to do any of that stuff. But um, walking wise, you know, a lot of kids will tend to walk with Down syndrome, you know, by eight mo 18 months to two years. Typically, once you hit two years um, and they're not walking, then there's concern. My physical therapist in Iowa kept saying, I might be worried, but I'm not. I don't know. I can't tell if he needs them or not. And the very first meeting with the Michigan physical therapist. Um, she was like, he needs braces. Do they just not like, have the level what of are we doing? experience with Down syndrome kids in Iowa? I think part, partly that and partly it's a pain in the ass with where we lived. Like you either had to go to, um, you either had to go to like Des Moines or Minneapolis or something like that. And, and that was your, your only option, you know, um, and so I don't know, but it took, we met with early on here in Michigan on Monday, the 17th, and he was fitted for his orthotics on Wednesday, the 19th. Oh, wow. And the problem that we ran into is we have blue care network here and they denied the insurance claim, oh, No, but it took two weeks for him to deny the insurance claim. And these things are like 1400 bucks, which, you know, is a reasonable amount of money to pay out of pocket, obviously. Um, but it took them two weeks. That was what was most frustrating to me. Like, you can't deny a claim within three days and just be like, sorry. But why would they deny it to begin with? Because of how it was coded. So uh, I, we actually got lucky. They told they called me mid last week and said, it's denied. You need to have whole leg braces in order for them to pay these. Because all it is is like a shoe insert. Okay. That kind of comes up onto his ankle. Okay. Um, and so I called my physical therapist and I'm like, dude, we're just going to pay out of pocket. I'm not going to wait, you know? And she's like, well, appeal it. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that shit. Like he'll need another set in six months. Right. And she's like, well, probably I said, then we'll pay out of pocket today and I'll deal with this again in six months. Well, she's a freaking angel. She called the company and was like, recode them. And told them what they needed to do, and they did it, and we were accepted that following that afternoon. That's great. So we have to pay, yeah, a short, a smaller amount out of pocket, which to me, I would pay a bajillion dollars if it means helping my child. 
you know, like yeah, whatever but he needs. She knew that you were at least entitled to that money, and she was that was great that she fought for it for you. Yes, yeah, that's what you know. So for me, um, that was it was great, and so he'll have them sometime next week. And so I'm super duper excited um, about getting that. And I hope that it results in him being able, because he loves to walk like holding on. He just, it's like learning how to walk in high heels. Okay. So like go strap on a pair of like four inch stilettos. (laughs) And that's, that's where he's at right now is he's trying to learn how to walk in four inch stilettos. So he'll walk everywhere. Like he uh, cruises and he pulls himself up and he climbs into things and he gets on the bed and he gets out of the chair and he's all of this, but he just hasn't been able to independently start walking at this point, which, um, so, so in about I kind of, half, he's going to be running. <laughs> I'm going to be super bitching about it. Yeah. Cause right now, um, you know, right now he already is into everything. He's just, he just is creative. And how he goes about it. Oh, that's, um, that's a good sign. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yep. And so, like, there's certain things, like, we have to go in. And, and one of the things that really just kind of chaps my ass, and it's expected and it's understandable, but when you have a child with special needs, they get evaluated a lot. And so you have to take them into this room with strangers and you know, then they sit and they want to observe how he plays. Well, he doesn't like strangers. He's very atypical. Like a lot of my friends that have kids with Down syndrome struggle because they have no stranger danger. Like they're just, they want to hug everyone. They want to talk to everyone. You know, all of this. Colton is not like that. Because he Colton does not like want his mom, Angie. <laughs> yes, exactly. He is exceptionally introverted in that regard. Like he'll holler and play at the store and stuff. But if someone like tries to talk to him, he's like, um, excuse me, go away. And so the evaluation part is always a little bit harder simply because they want him to perform like this trained monkey and he doesn't. And so you get an eval back, you know, prior to school, it's called an IFSP. Um, as opposed to an IEP, um, which is what happens once they get into school and it's an education plan and this, that, and the other thing. Um, so, you know, when you get your IFSP back, then it tells you where he's at developmentally. And so that's a little hard. He's 28 months, I think. I don't know. He turned two the end of May. Um, and he's developmentally around 18 to, to 20 months, which he really isn't that say, far, that's that you know, far behind, you could say. But I figure as he gets a little bit older, you know, it might become a little bit more noticeable. It will. It's, it's already noticeable. Be, but. Some of the stuff he might be behind is because he's already needed those braces. Do you think he'll maybe it's, jump ahead a little bit now that he has what he needs? Totally possible because uh, typically you'll see an explosion in language upon walking. Okay. So they tend to all work together. So when gross motor skills are mastered to a certain extent, then you'll see some other things. He is great at receptive communication. He's just a butthole sometimes. So like he follows directions from his mom, Angie. Okay. I blame his dad, but whatever. <laughs> um, now, didn't he do like speech pathology and didn't he have some kind of surgery in his mouth? Yeah. He had a severe lip tie. So that was part of the reason he struggled with eating and no one at the NICU apparently even thought, well, maybe we should look and see if he can even move his upper freaking lip because he couldn't. It was tied right down. Like I couldn't see his top teeth when they came in because his lip tie was so severe. So he just had ear tubes and had the tie cut. And we've noticed a huge explosion in um, repetitive. So like they'll mimic you. Um, 
children do. Part of the the whole entire process when it comes to speech is, you know, mimicking sounds, repeating back what you're telling them to say, you know, stuff like that. And prior to his tubes and his lip tie cut, he was good. He said things. He's good at more kitty, meow, meow, um, doggy, you know, stuff like that. But now he says a lot more like it's kind of exploded in in words. He's just typically they would expect by this age, you know, at least two or three word sentences and his two word sentences here, kitty. He says here, kitty all the time. But that's about the, but the when gist, was that you know, tie thing done the end of June. OK, so I mean, he could I mean, he could still have a pretty big explosion here now that that's. Oh, yeah. In line. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. You know, I definitely expect and I don't, you know, at the same time, it's really it is what it is like it's it's um, just like with anything else. It gets a little bit more frustrating because if you're a parent without a diagnosis of special needs, you just kind of are you and maybe you worry in silence. You know what I mean? Like maybe it's a I, I say, you know, the grass is greener on the other side. Like, well, if you're a parent who doesn't have to worry about it, then blow. But obviously you worry no matter what as a parent. Um the one struggle like I tend to have a little bit is just the constant um, and it's not constant. That's an unfair statement. But the the evaluation, the well, you know, you're in the, the system now. So he, at three, he has to go to preschool and at this, he has to do this. And you have choices, but, you know, you're constantly feeling a little bit like what is the right choice? What is the wrong choice? And you you still have to make proper decisions. And it it almost feels more on my side, like every decision I make today has, you know, such long lasting impacts. But like, obviously it's that way, whether you're parenting a child with special needs or just parenting, right? I mean, right. what preschool you get them into and what this and all that works and, and how you learn, so. you know, how do they do yeah. versus the other kids in the class and are they, you know, learning something yeah. or are they just you know, being left behind kind of thing. Yeah. You know, social interactions, you know, constantly being viewed, you know, if they, if they can't sit down, you know, is it this or is it that, or do they have this or do they have that, you know? And, and I, so I, I imagine it's probably pretty much the same. It just feels a little bit different because, you know, once a week we have physical therapy. So once a week, two women come into our house and okay. for an hour, you know, make him do things that he may not necessarily want to do, but are good for him to do. Um, that part gets a little frustrating. Like it, Did we have good in the pool. He loves the pool. Okay. So we'll, we'll get a pool. We're going to get like a swimming thing. Do you have a pool nearby, um, like for Easter seals or something that can be used? Charlotte has a really good one. So 10 miles away. Oh, and then far. we're only 20 miles from Lansing. Yeah. So, and that was part of the decision in moving back to Lansing is there's the capital area down syndrome association. They're huge. Um, they have like nights where you can go and, and, a, a kid or an adult or whatever with down syndrome throws out the first pitch of like the Capitals sure. baseball game. And they have music classes once a month. And we live just North of like a place where they do equine therapy, but we're going to get horses. I did equine. I worked at an equine therapy facility when I was in college. Mm -hmm. And so I've already been trained in you know, in that sort of thing. And so We'll do some equine therapy. We'll do some aqua therapy in addition to the physical therapy that he has. We have and a lot more opportunity for those types of things. So much yeah. more. So much more. It's so different. So that was higher. one of the things. 
Exactly. <laughs> Which is 10 times better than anything else ever anywhere, you know. So it's really just, it's one of those things that it did play in, you know, to a certain extent to our move. Um, simply because I just felt as though we were lacking some of the services. Now, like Algona School District um, knew about him. They were excited about him coming in when we were in Iowa. Um, but, you know, to be two and a half hours from a local Gigi's Playhouse, which is a, a private charity group where you have play dates and stuff like that with other children that have Down syndrome and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, we're two and a half hours from Des Moines, three hours from Minneapolis. It just, I didn't feel like he had the chances. And then the one thing that I'm super excited about, and I'm trying to figure out how to do it, you know, because one of the things when you have a child with Down syndrome or any type of developmental um, condition or, you know, something that, you know, you're going to have to, to take special care of as they get older is, you know, you're constantly thinking about what do we do in the future? How are we going to do this? And so with our land here, what I want to open it for him, it basically, which it, it obviously initially he's going to be too young to really be actively a part of it until he gets older. But that's why I want to do like the boutique um, beef, uh, boutique egg production, just basically kind of create a farm, um, setup that maybe is a little bit different than <clears throat> your typical, um, farm setup. We live close to Lansing. We have DeWitt nearby and I have a customer that he specially raises hogs. And so basically what he does is he tells his customers everything that hog has eaten, every medicine that hog has ever gotten, all of this stuff. And so it's as though the customer has raised that animal and they pay like a bunch more money to buy it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you butcher it and put it in the freezer, maybe it's a silly idea for now. I don't know. I I maybe it's not I something he wants to do about this. I mean, I don't, I haven't heard. Yeah. I don't know. But what I want to do is basically just for him, at least at this point, um kind of start a farm say, set them up with a job and some responsibilities and some income and yeah yeah and see where it goes maybe he doesn't want to do that maybe he wants to nurture work. his love of animals so that it matches exactly <laughs> exactly that's why you have kids to mold them into the model of what you want them to be you know, but so that's part of it. Like I want to start a little farm and then at least that way we can kind of set stuff aside. If he wants to show in 4-H, he's going to show in 4-H. Like there is going to be nothing that stops him and anyone that tries to, I'm going to punch him in the face. Like that's just where I'm at on it is like, I am a total mama bear when it comes to the opportunities for Colton. Like I'm not going to limit him in any way. And part of that, you know, the conversations that we have is like presumed competence. Um, so you have to presume that your kid is perfectly capable of doing anything that you would imagine them being capable of doing. You know, I know a woman who's a uh, 19 year old is going to George Mason University, which is five hours from the house. Uh -huh. And she's participating in their life program. And she loves it. Like she doesn't even want her parents to come visit. Um, Chad will tell you his daughter is very much the same way. I believe she's at Iowa University, Chad Ingalls. Uh -huh. And there are teenagers, adults, you know, children all over the place that have this diagnosis that are functioning in perfectly normal style lives. 
for them. And then they actually just did a, a survey and I was going to try to pull it up before we talked, but um, where they asked teenagers with Down syndrome, you know, are you happy with your life? And like 98% of them said yes. Uh, do you like your family? Yes. Do this, do that. And it's all, you know, just utter joy is really one of the greatest things that you will find. Like the biggest attribute is finding joy and the littlest of things. And so I think that's been one of the biggest gifts that Colton has given me is for one, the little things don't matter anymore. You know what I mean? The little naggy things that you used to get really ticked off about. Am I going to think about them tomorrow? Am I going to think about them next week? Am I going to think about them six months, six years from now? If the answer is no to any of those, then it's really just water off a duck's back in a lot of ways. Um, that's helped, you know, the like I said, the joy that he lives his life with, the excitement that he has, the humor that he brings into things, you know, you just, I don't know, like you, you know how they say you see the life through the eyes of a child or whatever. Like he has the eyes of a child, but he also has like just this other enhanced sort of level of living, I guess you could say. So I don't know. I, the, the main reason that I wanted to kind of talk about it is just, you know, for one, for anyone out there that may be struggling with a diagnosis quietly, um, you know, whether it's through pregnancy or something like that, you know, don't hesitate to, to reach out. Um, there's fantastic groups out there too, that I can put them in contact with, you know, the down syndrome diagnosis network is phenomenal DSDN. You can also send money to them via Amazon prime. Um, you know, for two, like, just enjoy what life is giving you and take, you know, be, be grateful for the little things, I guess. It, it just simply because like, I don't know, it just is my, I feel like my life has changed in so many ways, but 99% of that is, is to the good. You know, there are challenges. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it by any means. Like I'm scared to death of school. I'm scared to Will death you of, to you know, or mm -hmm. yep. Fully included. I mean, he's going to, I want him to be fully included. He, and, and inclusion is made big in Michigan, like, but you may have to fight. If you want to do school of choice, sometimes you run into issues like private schools can say no because they're not government funded. I worry a lot about political headwinds in the sense that there are certain aspects of politics that don't necessarily feel that we should have the inclusion or, you know, I worry that they would, would take away like pre-existing condition clauses because then I could, we could struggle with health insurance for him. Um, like life insurance companies can still deny coverage. Um, ironically Gerber life insurance, right? They have yeah. the Gerber baby who has down syndrome this year. They are saying they're working on changing it, but down syndrome is an automatic disqualification. Mm -hmm for like a life insurance policy, like stupid shit like that yeah. pisses me off. Um, and that has a lot you to know, do with in the U S cause I have a friend who lives in Ireland and her first born had down syndrome and automatically the country pays for everything. All her health care, yeah. all and her we, schooling, any, any type yeah. of healthcare bill or whatever she might have, the country pays for. The country and that's Ireland amazing. But yeah, so different countries, but then there's a lot of countries too that push like uh, Greenland has a 90 some percent abortion rate. Yeah. They want to eradicate Down syndrome. And the way that they want to eradicate Down syndrome is by if you 
test positive for it in your pregnancy, they go ahead and just, you know, abort the pregnancy. false positives, I mean... Oh my God. Well, and that's the thing is it's, it's driven by fear. It's driven by the unknown. You know, not a lot of people have experience with it. I had no experience really with kids with Down syndrome prior to, to being around Colton. And then my friend's kids, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I, like I said, I'd done equine therapy in college and there was a, a guy that was in his early thirties, but he had the mental capacity of a nine month old. I didn't know what it came from. You know what I mean? I don't know what had happened to him to, um, to, to result in that, if it was developmental, if it was genetic, if something, you know, maybe he had suffered a brain injury of some sort, but I, I had no idea, but that was one of the first things I thought about when I received Colton's diagnosis is, oh my God, you know, uh, what am I going to do with that? And, you know, there's still a lot of worries that I have with, you know, we're older, he doesn't have a sibling, you know, who would take care of him if something happened to us, which is part of the reason we want to really work to set up, you know, his future, and and get him well established in in life in general as he gets older well, and and parents, you know basically she- that helps a ton yes and you know so it's 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 just all like I said before like you have worries you have things that you're concerned about um, a lot of them are normal parental things but they just feel maybe a little bit more heightened because of the diagnosis but. You know, overall, like I said, you know, one of the big things that I just wanted to, you know, take or give in this podcast, first of all, stop, stop using the word retard. It's shitty. Quit it. I know it's like the same thing as being like, that's gay. And I used to say it and I used to say, oh, that's retarded. You know what I mean? Like, think about it for a minute, though. Like, you don't realize how much of like a gut punch that word holds until the doctor looks at you and says, well, you know, it's uh, mental retardation. And then if, to have someone say it as though that's the worst thing that could, ha- you know, that's so retarded. I never really realized, like I said, that it was as offensive as what it was because I didn't mean it offensive. I wasn't calling someone that, you know what I mean? But it's one thing like I want to just kind of put out there, like knock it off. Like, correct yourself a little bit on that side. I see it on Twitter a lot, and it's the easiest way for me to lose respect for someone. Um, You know, secondly, like I said, like, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to, you know, reach out. They're children with Down syndrome, adults with Down syndrome, adults with developmental disorders, children with developmental disorders. They're just like you and I, you know what I mean? And the parents of their parents are very much the same as well. Like we're all going through our own battles. So don't feel like you can't talk about it for one. Don't be afraid to ask questions and, you know, but don't say you're sorry either. Cause that's, that's unnecessary. Um, you know, I don't know. Do you guys have any other questions? What is like the life expectancy? Uh, it used to be really limited, um, because a lot of the heart conditions went unrepaired. And now it's in the late 60s. There is a little bit more in the way of concern of Alzheimer's. They tend to have, it's a degenerative disorder. So you can see some additional plaque increase in the brain and things like that, which is one thing as well uh, from a medical standpoint because of the increased risk in leukemia. Um, and the fact that they very rarely, if at all, and I say they, like I'm, you know, but people with Down syndrome very rarely get other types of cancers. Why is leukemia so much higher then? They don't know that at least from what I've seen, 
Um, I can't tell you why. Um, For some reason, I have no all idea. cancer scares me, obviously, but leukemia scares yeah. me the most. Not to freak leukemia you out. Leukemia is but extra yes. scary. No, no, no. It's super um, scary, but they tend to fight it better. Really? Um, as well. Children with that. So that's, there's a lot of medical research that's going into why is there a higher instance of leukemia? Why do they tend to fight it better? And why do they not see increased instances of other cancers? And then there's a lot of Alzheimer's research that is being done because of the um, higher risk of, you know, degenerative conditions developing in a child or in a, a young adult or an, an adult um, with Down syndrome. So from a health perspective, like you can look, there was a, a young man, and I can't think of his name right now, that spoke to the UN a couple of years back and it kind of went viral. And he was talking about how his life has value and, and all of this. And he had mentioned the health aspects, the research that was going into it. And it's pretty phenomenal. I think it's um, a little sad that people, anybody has to say their life has value. Of course your life has value. I don't care who you are or what you do. You know, yeah. unless you're like in prison yeah. for weird things, but unless you're right, a horrible, unless you're person. A horrible, yeah, horrible I mean, person, every life has value. And I, I mean, you know, especially to somebody, yeah. but it has value, period, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, those are partly some of my concerns where it's like, you know, like I said, the it's like raising any other child other than there are people that you have to, um, prove that child's value too. Like there's horrible comments. See, those are people I say you too. Yeah, I wouldn't bother with them anymore. Yeah. I don't want to prove, I don't even want to have yeah. to, I don't want to prove my own worth to anybody. If you don't see it, you're not a part of my life. I don't, it's like the energy bus. Dude, yeah. Step away from the bus well, stop. Well, and those people have problems themselves. Yeah. Obviously. Other issues. Yeah. And that's my friend Joelle Kelly posted something the other day and her daughter was reading at two and a half, like legit reading. And, My kid was and, still wearing um, diapers. Two and a half, three years old, right? And she was reading, and Josie is her name, and uh, she had posted something about her child's life having value, and one of the first comments was a woman saying, that kid will end up drooling sitting in a home when you oh die. Oh, so like, Just horrible things. Yes, just horrible things like and so it just makes you wonder like what is going on in their mind and their life to even think that that's a necessity you know like oh to i even know. think it let alone it's to type it like humanity is social it media. is and i love social media but i yes. hate Karen. in so because many you ways you would never have the balls to say that to some mother's face exactly but she said it you know like to read it it's just like a punch in the gut you know what i mean like just um but, to anybody to any parent yeah. i mean honestly all three of my kids were still in pampers at two and a half yeah yeah and joe i mean this girl is you know but so yeah i mean it, it just like i said they, there's a lot of reasons why you know I, and like i said I, I, I never kept it it wasn't a secret it wasn't anything that i would ever have denied by any means it just wasn't anything that i felt necessary to like say hey you know, by the way, you know, and there's been some signs like on 321 is World Down Syndrome Day. Like I posted something about, you know, like you can't spell extraordinary without something extra, which obviously Down syndrome is an extra 21st chromosome. It happens at conception. There's nothing you can do really to prevent it. It's it's just it's a, a, a fluke of of nature, you could say. And, you know, a lot of times if if uh, 
you know, you suffer from a, a miscarriage or something like that, a lot of times it's because of a genetic abnormality that is incompatible with, with life. And trisomy 21, Down syndrome, tends to be one of the few trisomies that are actually compatible with life, though they may cause, you know, other conditions. But, um, you know, it's just been, like I said, it's, it's obviously it's changed my life in a lot of really, really awesome ways. Um, but it hasn't changed my life either. If that makes sense. I don't even know how well, to explain kids that. Change your life. Yeah. But it's not like I spend my life, um, lamenting this at all. Like, like I said, the biggest thing that I worry about is just what happens down the road. I want to make sure he's taken care of and happy. And that's all I care about. Like, and that's all a parent, any parent cares about. That's all I think, a parent cares about. Yeah. You know, so, so yeah, with that, I mean, I don't know. Do you have any other questions? I feel like I'm like, it's sitting in front of a classroom. Like, do you have any questions? Well, personally, I think that, um, Fred is adorable. His laugh the other day on Facebook cracked me up. Oh my God. He's a freaking wild man. And, um, you know, I just love you guys. You too, Carl. I love you. Right. I know that makes you all comfortable. Yeah. I know that makes you squirm because it would make Chris squirm. Yeah. He doesn't but listen I, anyway. He's just like, what? You have a podcast. I didn't. You can tell him Jen says that. she loves you. I will. I'll let him know. That's why. Uh, and someone he'll on Twitter be will let him know. <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. Because that's how it always works. Quit tagging my husband <laughs> in my shit, guys. Stop it. <laughs> but on that note, uh, we'll get it wrapped up. And I. Uh, um, you know, like I said, just kind of remember, like, live life. Don't focus on the little things. Enjoy your shit. Have fun. It's good. You only get one trip. You might as well like it, you know. So, so yeah, have a good one, guys. Uh, we will be back next week maybe to talk about something that's educational and informative. I or, it. Yeah, that's what I was going <laughs> to say. So have a good one.